This is a fictional story written by me. It's a story about how love manifests itself in people in different ways. It's a story about how sometimes love means letting go of someone. Sometimes it means holding on and sometimes it means pushing them. This podcast tells the stories of people we empathize with or root for. Sometimes because of what they did and sometimes in spite of it. I'm Caleb Carter. This is Antihero. She was an avid reader. Her favorite quote was, When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness, that is a friend who cares. She often praised me for how willing I was to sit beside her in silence and share her pain. And I can honestly say I cared. It's Monday, my favorite day of the week. It's when the world starts back up again. It's when the hamsters get back on their wheels. But for me, it's the day that reminds me most of how free I am. Five out of the seven days of the week, most people are required to show up for work. So 71% of the days of most people's lives start by going to a place they don't want to be. I don't say this to put myself above the working class. This could have easily been my life. This should have been my life. But I'm very lucky. I'm a freelancer, not a freelance writer or artist. I'm just a freelancer. That's all she knows. That's all I've told her. The truth is, I inherited a trust fund, not from my parents. They were part of the 71 percenters, but from my grandfather. I'm an only child, and when I was 10, my grandfather put nearly all of his assets into a trust for me. It was released when I turned 25. Before he died, he told my mother that he saw something in me. I was unusually stoic, balanced, and unaffected by the downsides of life. He was right. There's a reason for this, one he couldn't have known. He said I was going to use my balance to make an impact on the lives of others. And he was right about this, too. I guess that's where she comes in. Before we met, since I didn't have to work, I spent my time figuring out how to spend my time which is a lot harder than you might think. For a while, I struggled to find purpose or meaning in life, which I'm sure most people do, but they're so distracted 71% of the time that even when they are free to think, they're too exhausted to think about things like purpose. A purpose is what you seek when you have nothing else to look for, nothing else to worry about. It's the only time you have time and energy for it. And while having nothing to worry about sounds appealing, it's really not. It can be dangerous. We've all seen it. Celebrities who've reached the height of their professions and have become as wealthy as they could have ever imagined. But the money doesn't bring fulfillment. It doesn't bring purpose. And they're so consumed with having nothing meaningful to be consumed by that they consume themselves. 
At a certain point, she and her pain became my purpose, and it consumed me. I used to feel guilty for not telling her about the trust fund, but not anymore. She doesn't know that I'm not actually a freelancer of anything or that I don't even work because she's never asked. I don't think she cared at first. I think initially she just liked the things my freelancing could provide and the superficial happiness those things brought her. And then over time, when she actually got to know me and, well, fell in love with me, she was too embarrassed to ask what I actually did because so much time had passed. Asking now would only expose her initial intentions. And I'm not trying to paint her in a negative light. Honestly, I don't blame her. People never fall in love with you for the reasons you want them to. She didn't get to choose the reason I fell in love with her. And my reason is no better than hers. I say she fell in love with me because she says she did. I choose to believe her, though I can't know for sure because of the same reason a fish can never really know if a pond exists beyond the one he swims in. We're confined to the confirmations of our own existence, our own reality. And though we can imagine and infer, we cannot confirm that which we cannot actually see or feel for ourselves. That's what my psychiatrist always tells me. I struggle greatly with this concept. And if you're wondering why I have a psychiatrist, it's not what you think. I'm not crazy. By the way, if I ramble from time to time or my metaphors and transitions seem a little off, forgive me. I've never really been much of a storyteller. I've always admired good storytellers. They can create a whole world with just their words and they can put you right there in that world. I'm going to transition now. She's dead. I figured I should disclose this now to avoid confusion since I keep referring to her in the past tense. She used to always say, sometimes I don't feel like you're with me. I know you're right here, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. And she was right. She knew I wasn't always there. She knew I only loved her sometimes. I didn't kill her. You have to be crazy to kill someone you don't even always love. And I already told you I'm not crazy. I mean, I guess we all have the potential to be crazy for a moment call it impulse, but it's a matter of what you do with your crazy in that moment that defines you. Whatever your definition of normal is, I'm not exactly that, but again, I'm definitely not crazy. And even if I am, I'm not a killer. Sorry, I'm all over the place. I'm going to transition again. The first time she said she loved me, I wanted to know how much time had passed from the time she knew until the time she told me. She said she'd known for a while. So I wanted to know why she didn't tell me sooner. I wanted to know why she didn't tell me the instance she knew. She said my question didn't make sense. She didn't know the exact moment or the exact day because nobody ever does. But if you don't even know the exact moment something happened, or at least the day, how do you know it actually happened? Especially something as big as love is supposed to be. She did always say I was too analytical and that feelings and when you feel them don't really come down to logic. I asked my psychiatrist what he thought. He said he didn't want to choose sides and then proceeded to choose hers. But they were both wrong. I knew the exact moment I fell in love with her. It was the first time I saw her cry. And I knew I loved her for one reason. It's because I was affected by her tears. Her sadness made me sad. And I liked it. For the sake of context, I'll admit that I'm a little closed off emotionally. 
I think this is the gift that my grandfather noticed. Maybe I'm downplaying it a bit. I'll say it in another way. I don't really understand or feel emotions. My psychiatrist has a clinical word for this, but I don't think that's relevant to the story. What is relevant is, her tears made me feel something I'd never felt. I cared. As she cried, I lay next to her in silence. I didn't try to offer up any advice. I just absorbed the pain. I was sharing her pain, and I loved it. I loved feeling for once. I felt like I was helping her, and I told her I loved her. Come to think of it, I never even asked her why she was crying, not that time or any other times. And there would be a lot more crying. She was in a lifelong battle with depression. It would went around, then she would went around. The rounds would last for days, sometimes weeks. She hated taking prescription drugs. She said her depression had the stamina of a well-conditioned marathon runner and the drugs only enhanced its performance. I said that saying well-conditioned marathon runner was kind of redundant. Looking back on it, because that's what you do when people die. I think I missed the point. I loved her most during the times she hated herself. I know that sounds awful, but it's true. It's when she needed it the most. It's when I felt the most. I treated her like a drug. I used her to feel something that I could not feel on my own. And when she didn't have it to give, I kind of stayed away. In a way, she was the only thing that connected me to the world from an emotional standpoint. So when she was feeling okay, I rested. I took a step back. She didn't need any help and there was no pain to be shared. It's why she felt like I only loved her sometimes. I knew this wasn't sustainable and it predictably took its toll on her. Even though I showed love to her when she was in the pits of depression, depression has a way of making you feel alone no matter who you're surrounded by, or so I'm told. And when she was feeling well, she actually was alone. So she was losing on both ends, and it was starting to seem like she was losing her motivation to fight off depression. Because there was nothing to win, just more loneliness on the other side. So her spells lasted longer, more for me to feed on. I consumed so much pain over the years that my appetite had become insatiable. Each time it took more feeling, more tears to feed my addiction, and I found myself feeling disappointed when the wave of depression was over. This was no way to live. I felt more like a vampire than a boyfriend. And I knew I had to do something about it. She was falling deeper and deeper, and so was I. I knew I had to save us. She was in the middle of a winning round. She hadn't cried for nearly a month and wanted to take a trip to the Grand Canyon. It was beautiful. She was beautiful. Her hair dancing in the wind. She was happy if I'd ever seen her. So I leaned back, taking in the moment, raised my leg, and used my foot to gently push her off. I know I said earlier that I didn't kill her, but my favorite storytellers usually have surprises in their stories. People like surprises. She likes surprises. Like the time I surprised her with a professional camera. She wasn't into photography, didn't really like taking pictures at all. But she liked things, new things. One of the first and only pictures she ever took was a picture of the sky. She said she liked how blue and cloudless it was that day and how it made it look like the sky just went on for forever. 
She said it made her feel like the world had no limits. We could be anything. We could do anything. I've always wanted to do something good with my life. For another person, you know? Something big. Something life-changing. Something that when it was all over and the deed had been done, I could say, all right, that was my purpose. And when I saw her standing there under that cloudless sky, as happy as I ever thought she'd be, I wanted her to live in that moment for forever. I wanted her game to end while she was winning. I get it. It's selfish, crazy. Call it what you want. Whatever you call it, you'd be right. This is what happens when one broken person tries to fix another. I made a decision that wasn't mine to make, and I regretted it immediately after I did it. I guess I would compare it to an alcoholic who, in a moment of clarity, makes a decision to pour all of his alcohol down the kitchen sink. And as soon as the last drop is out of the bottle, he's wondering what the hell he just did that for. That's exactly what I felt when I kicked my habit. I'm not happy she's gone, and I know you're not going to believe me, but I'm going to tell you anyways. When she was falling, she did something that instantly took away all of my regret. She didn't look panicked. She looked up at me, stretched her arms all the way out to the side like she was floating in water, and she smiled. She smiled because she knew I loved her. She smiled because she was happy it was over. She smiled because... When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot if you rated it and left a review. It helps bring more visibility to the podcast and lets us know how we can improve. For more information about the show, visit us at antiheropodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at antihero underscore podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend about us and don't forget to subscribe. This is Antihero.